Pig X, ideas in the swine industry worth sharing. Join extension specialists and swine industry experts as they engage in conversations aimed to help producers succeed in raising healthy pigs. Welcome to episode one of the Pig X podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Howell. Whether you raise pigs, work with pigs, or just have a passion for pigs, this podcast is for you. As we dive into season one, we'll be focused on a multifaceted research project put together by a consortium of swine extension specialists, industry experts, and stakeholders to discuss the research and work they've done over the past year and a half. The name of this research project itself is titled an integrated approach to improve whole herd pig survivability and is focused on swine health and livability, which encompass a multitude of research projects, all focused around swine mortality. Just a quick note before we move on, additional information about this project can always be found at www.piglivability.org. Now today, as part of the introductory episode, some of the program's stakeholders will share an overview of the research program and how it has gotten to its current form. They will also share other important details you may find relevant as we continue to unveil Season 1 in its entirety. To start this episode, we turn to Dr. Chris Hostetler, the Director of Animal Science for the National Pork Board, who takes us back to where this project first began beginning, I believe in 2016 or 17, the Animal Science Committee had, since 2010, they had sponsored an industry productivity analysis. And that was basically a benchmarking exercise around key metrics for sow farm, for nursery, for wean to finish, and for finish, grow finish pigs. And so included in that report is mortality, um, all the way from, from the mortality associated with stillborn pigs all the way through late finishing and, and on transport to market. And so when that group came together and they, they tallied up that mortality from all phases of production, it, it tallied about 35%. And so from their perspective, that's a pretty big portion of pigs that don't make it to market. And it's a pretty big opportunity cost for our pork producers. And so they recognize that. They also recognize that it's a a critical and key part of food security in the U.S. because those are pigs that don't, would not have an opportunity to be consumed in the form of pork or other products uh, supplied for human use. So the group in 2016, I guess, late 2016, they began to think about how we might approach that. At the time, there were a number of committees from the National Pork Board and different people within the National Pork Board organization oversaw committees. So there was the Animal Science Committee that was made up of a mix of producers and allied industry with diverse backgrounds. So some were nutritionists, some were geneticists, there were meat scientists. At times there have been veterinarians involved. And then another committee like the Welfare Committee would again have had a mix of producers and allied industry there as well with more of a focus on animal welfare issues. There were numerous other committees that looked at food safety and um, health committee doing different things. The Animal Science Committee had been focused really on improving nutritional aspects from a research standpoint, as well as some seasonality efforts had been done just prior to taking on the survivability project. Valerie Detlinger was on the National Pork Board's Animal Science Committee at the time this survivability project was being discussed 
and then eventually launched, and shares more insight behind that program. When I came on to the Animal Science Committee, I was representing small producers, essentially. So I was representing essentially my family farm at that point. And then from that standpoint, while still representing independent pork producers, small independent pork producers, I also then took on a role with Swine Management Services, which does benchmarking and data analytics for a portion of the industry. And so from that aspect, I had lots more data at my availability to kind of really help people understand how significant the problem was in the industry. And then since actually uh, just in October, the end of October, I have transitioned to Summit Smart Farms, who has no responsibility, no involvement in anything previous, was not even in existence when this grant um, was actually awarded. Valerie, like many others involved in the Animal Science Committee, was able to use her experiences in the field to better understand why a project like this one should be deemed essential and taken on by multiple committees within the National Pork Board system. The Animal Science Committee kind of encouraged Chris Hostetler from the National Pork Board to go out and, you know, we want to do something with survivability and how do we get more money to create some better solutions because this survivability is not a small project to tackle. And so through discussions because of the impact that survivability does have on animal welfare, they were a natural fit to kind of join forces and pool the dollars from both committees to work on a joint project. So how did this project evolve from an idea to a program with multiple research studies going on simultaneously? And who decided to take on the task of addressing swine survivability across the industry? Jason Ross, a professor at Iowa State University and director of the Iowa Pork Industry Center, has more to share on the matter. This project, when it came out, I kind of knew that it was going to be advertised. The request for a proposal from the National Pork Board and the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. And we had already been doing a project that I was principal investigator on through the Iowa Pork Industry Center with a pretty large collaboration of Iowa State faculty and staff looking at pelvic organ prolapse in the swine industry. And, you know, part of that project was really working across the industry. So we had collaborative farms that were helping provide information and data from a lot of different production systems and independent owners and from about, I think, from 15 different states in the U.S. So we kind of had a really broad network, um, and that project was a one-year project. Fast forward a bit. <laughs> and we saw the beginning of this project starting to take shape across the swine industry. And as we were finishing that up, this request for proposals came out. It was a much larger scope of a project focusing more on mortality across the entire production system. And so we already had a really strong network within, you know, the sow farm work that we were doing. And so we decided to apply for the proposal. And we kind of strategically added to the to the group uh, here at Iowa State and added some other team members that were doing some relevant work with respect to mortality in different segments of production. And then we had also reached out and had some conversations with some faculty at Kansas State and at Purdue that, that we also know brought a lot to the table with respect to, you know, their research areas, but also brought a lot to the table with their 
network in the industry and their extension programs through their activities at their at their respective institutions. And so that's an important part of the project too. Was an important part of the uh, application for the project, and, it, and and remains to be an important part part of the delivery of the project is the extension and outreach aspect. And so, you know, having folks on the project that have different avenues that are established to communicate information back to the industry was really important when making the decisions on how to develop the project and how to develop the proposal. This project focused on swine mortality rates is all-encompassing and therefore, as you just heard, required multiple state extension agencies come together. But this isn't the first time we've seen projects like these requiring collective efforts, or a consortium, if you will, of partners. Our current effort is probably the fourth time we've gone down a consortium type of route. And each time we do it as an organization in assembling the consortium and, and putting it into place and, and putting um, priorities and expectations around that, we get better and better at doing that. So one of the things that we knew is that from previous experience, that if we just have a funding consortium where we put $2 million towards this effort and then we fund it over the next five years, but we really, we really guide the individual research projects that are done, at the end of the time, we've done a great amount of work in improving pig survivability, but it would be all in smaller projects um, that would range from eighty dollars to $120,000. And there would be sort of no coordination, no centralization of that research. So at the end of that five years, we would then be left with stitching a story together out of those smaller research projects. If we take the program approach to funding, we can really turn that coordination over to a centralized hub. And that centralized hub then is responsible for making sure that the projects that are being done are very logical and that they flow together. And that at the end of the day, we have a, a story that has come out in all phases of our uh, productions, sow survivability, nursery pig survivability, wean to finish and, and grow finish survivability, transportation survivability, you know, all of those things have to kind of come together. And it's best if it's done under a, a coordinated effort in a consortium because they all know what each is responsible for and, and uh, what projects are being done. So that's why we decided to go a pro more of a programmatic type of approach. In case you didn't catch it, this research initiative provided $2 million to research investigators dedicated to conducting studies focused on swine mortality at all phases of production, from pre-wean to market-ready hogs, and everything in between. The potential for this project to change the swine industry in such a permanent way received funding from, of course, the National Pork Board, but also the FFAR, Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. To find out more about FFAR, we turn our attention now to Tim Kurt, CEO of the organization. So the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research was established in 2014 as part of the 2014 Farm Bill as a different model for funding agriculture research. And the way we work is through public-private partnerships. So we were established by Congress, but they set us up as an independent nonprofit organization. And the way we work is we match the congressional funds provided to us through the Farm Bill with other sources of funds from the private sector. And in that way, we're leveraging the public investment in agriculture research as well as providing leverage for our private sector partners who are investing in research initiatives as well. 
So we've worked with the National Pork Board on a number of different initiatives. This uh, program on survivability was actually the first where they approached us through Dr. Chris Hostetler, the director of their animal science committee. They approached the bar around this issue of survivability in the swine industry and really made a compelling case for why this was such a, a big issue and why it would be something that this foundation would be interested in supporting. And really that's because this issue cross cuts so many different aspects of food and agriculture production. It impacts the environmental sustainability piece. It's a profitability issue for producers. There's obviously an animal welfare consideration as well. And uh, so there was really a, a lot of different lenses through which to look at this issue and to convey the need to, to address this issue in a big way. As you just heard Tim allude to, there were a number of reasons why the FFAR decided to join the funding initiative to this swine survivability project. And Tim shared a few more details behind their decision. So this one is a good fit for our organization, again, because it's something that impacts the entire industry. And we view it as a pre-competitive issue where uh, we're supporting research that will benefit the entire industry. So we're not developing a proprietary product. We're really trying to develop the knowledge that will help any producer with pork production. And again, we, we really are um, looking for projects that enhance the environmental sustainability of production, but are also economically viable for producers because we recognize that that piece has to be there for anyone to ultimately adopt a change in a management practice. Again, we recognize there were animal welfare considerations here. And so this is really an issue that is all about improving the efficiency of production and helping the producers meet the goals that they'd like to meet. Besides funding partners and extension specialists, there are also a number of industry stakeholders working to support the efforts put forth by this project, including Iowa Pork, Indiana Pork, Elanco, Bowringer Ingelheim, Swine Management Services, Tri-Oak Foods, Prestige Farms, New Fashion Pork, the list goes on and on. This project, as mentioned, is a multifaceted approach, which essentially means it encompasses multiple research projects, all designed to tackle the common goal of reducing swine mortality. Dr. Hostetler shared with me later that a five-year project made the most sense to ensure all research could be completed and information could be distributed to people working in the swine industry all over the country. Why did they pick this topic? Out of all the other issues impacting the swine industry, you may ask, we turn to Joel Derushi of Kansas State University to answer that question. The main reason for driving this is approximately 30 to 33 percent of the amount of piglets born never make it to market. Okay, so in any industry, that is just not acceptable. There, no manufacturing, no crop production would just not be able to market 33% of the product that they initially produced. And this, this trend is not changed, and this isn't just in our current facilities. If we'd go back decades, um, I grew up on a farm where it was very much outdoor production. 
in those cases we would certainly probably see larger than that <laughs> from birth to market mortality and so when you account for the amount of piglets that become mortalities at birth or during lactation as well as during the nursery and finishing stages Okay, let's take a quick break here to review what we've already learned about the project. One, this $2 million program was funded through a joint effort of the National Pork Board and the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. Two, this project has partners, including three extension agencies at Purdue University, Kansas State, and Iowa State, as well as other industry stakeholders across the country. And three, Approximately 30 to 33% of the amount of piglets never make it to market. Okay, so let's get back to the show. We encourage you to go ahead and hit subscribe now if you've been enjoying this episode of PigX, but you also may be wondering why a podcast to share this information with producers. The podcast, you know, we wanted to also create different avenues to distribute messages as well. And at the end of the day, what's important for this project to be successful is that we deliver information to producers and decision makers within the industry that they can act on, that they can utilize to the benefit of their operation, their production system to elevate animal health and minimize uh, the mortalities that occur during production and promote pig livability. So to do that most effectively, I think people learn in different ways People garner information in different ways. And honestly, sometimes it requires hearing a similar message more than one time before it creates an action. And so that's another important aspect of the podcast is that hopefully it's another venue that we can get out important information to producers. But ultimately, if we can get those similar messages across all the platforms and folks utilize those different platforms, you know, more than once, then that message will help generate action and and measurable change across the industry. As we wrap up our first episode, I wanted to be sure you all knew that not only is this podcast going to be information and action-packed, but also aimed at sharing simple take-home messages or ideas to try integrating into your swine systems. At the end of the day, we want to have information that is actionable. And so when we talk about the different speakers that that hopefully what producers and folks listening to these podcasts in the coming months and years will be able to hear is that, you know, we want individuals that are involved with this podcast that are offering information that either have firsthand experience conducting research projects that have important results and then can relay those results to, you know, industry representatives with here's how you implement this, right? At the end of the day, we want people to get a message that here's some information that we've discovered, or maybe here's some existing information, but here are the implementable changes that can happen to make a measurable difference in your production system. Like all information that's generated in any industry or any business, there's some things that are more relevant to individual operations than others. And I think the important thing here is is that producers are able to understand that when some of the information comes out, if they can apply that and there's a meaningful change or improvement from what they're currently doing, those certainly need to be evaluated and and implemented in cases where they can. But one of the biggest obstacles we have to overcome is not only developing the information, but getting it implemented at a, on a daily basis. Um, 
what often happens is 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 producers and employees often become acceptant of of the current situation and what along with developing practices an emphasis of this project as well is is really to help people understand what they can do on a daily basis to help improve this situation for individual farms. So it, it's a people training. We're, we'll have part of this is we're going to try and develop as much people training tools and modules as uh, the industry wants us to as well uh, to help them reinforce on a daily basis with employees. And so I think it's as information comes out, we live in an information age where there's so many different things that can be coming at you. What our goal is to boil it down to uh, the most meaningful areas and then producers help them evaluate, is this something that can be implemented or changed on their operation to improve the livability of the pigs that they produce? Well, that does it for episode one of the PigX podcast. But don't worry, we'll be back with more great information in the coming episodes. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe and check back the first Monday of each month for the latest episode. Please also take a quick moment to write us a review. Give us your thoughts and comments on the podcast platform you've been listening to this episode on. Until next time, I'm your host, Delaney Howell. PigX is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project Partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. Pig X. Ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.